There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have Bozma St. John with me, who is the CMO of Endeavor, and I could not be more excited. Boz, hi, and welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have been so excited to have you on the show for forever, uh, literally. I mean, such a treat. You're in New York. I'm in France. And it's just so great that we could get together today. Yes, exactly. Using technology across the waters, we are getting this done. And it's amazing. <laughs> we are getting this done. Yes. <laughs> My only challenge is I couldn't see the amazing outfit I know you wore to the studio today. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, you got to dress for success, right, as they say. And um, I was coming in today. I was like, man, okay, what should I wear as a CMO who moves? And I thought, (laughs) three-piece suit in African fabric. That's what I'm doing. So that's what I did. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll send you a photo. You'll see it later. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Okay, that's awesome. I cannot wait to see the photo. Uh, you always are just so incredibly stylish and artistic. And I, I'm just sad, I, not to mention your presence, right? So blessed that you could join us today. And I am excited to dig in. So first of all, we're going to talk about Endeavor. I mean, this is a new role for you. It's not not terribly new. I mean, you've been there for a little bit now. But before that, you were at Uber, you were at Apple, you're at Pepsi. And so I want to hear a little bit about why you decided to take on this role at Endeavor. What is Endeavor? And you just went through a big rebranding. Yeah. And then we're going to walk backwards. We're going to talk about your career journey and we're going to figure out like, how did you get to where you are today? Is that cool for you? That's great. That's great. Okay. It's, it's quite a journey. So let's, let's all buckle in your seatbelts. Safety first. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny. I um, actually, that's kind of funny. I said safety first because I feel like my career has not been safe at all. <laughs> I've probably taken moves and jumps and things, decisions that I've made usually to the chagrin of those who advise me <laughs> uh, and definitely against my mother's wishes. That's for sure. Um, but it has all felt really 
natural to me. And, and maybe some of it feels like survival, you know, needing to feel seen, you know, needing to feel like I was contributing with people who appreciated my contribution. You know, all of those things were sort of like the softer metrics for why I made decisions to either go to a company, stay at a company, or leave it. And part of the reason why I chose to come to Endeavor is I feel like a culmination of a lot of my career. You know, it's like when I first started in marketing, one of the first pieces of criticism I received was that I was not data-centered enough. You know, that I I knew a lot about pop culture and creative and, you know, all of the, what I call like the magic in the air. I could predict things really well. Um, but the criticism was that I didn't use enough math in my prediction. And I didn't use enough data in analyzing issues. And that was always, it always felt like the one thing that would keep me from the CMO office. You know, it would keep me from achieving and getting to the top. And if I'm totally candid and honest, I didn't think I would ever get here because of that. And I was actually okay with that because I just felt that pop culture and the thing that makes us feel, the thing that moves us, you know, inspires us, makes us like, you know, watch it again and again and again and laugh and chuckle or cringe or whatever. All of those feelings that were so intangible that you couldn't measure, that's what kept me up. You know, that's what made me excited. That's what made me sleepless, (laughs) you know, thinking about campaigns that either I worked on or that somebody else did, you know, and analyzing that and thinking about, well, how did they do that exactly? Or thinking about an artist or a particular moment in time that could be utilized to string together a brand's narrative. You couldn't measure that with any data that already existed because it was happening right in front of us. And it always felt like that was not appreciated especially in the more traditional marketing roles that I was in. And I feel like over the course of my career, I wouldn't say that it happened at Endeavor, but it certainly happened over the course of time where I think I I was just at a great inflection point where the world and especially the marketing world started to turn more towards essentially what I feel like I have a pretty unique gift in and start to appreciate that more and therefore my ability to move in those spaces and really sit in my gut instinct, you know, really sit in the fascination that I have with pop culture became the thing. It became the the currency that was valuable. And so by the time I got the call from Ari Emanuel about what he was building at Endeavor, <laughs> oh man, I was like, oh, well, this is my time. This is it. <laughs> this is it. You know, it's like pop culture... <laughs> Like at its core, you know, everything. You've got Hollywood and content. You've got models and fashion. We've got designers. We've got professional bull riding. We've got athletes of every type. You know, we have, gosh, Miss Universe and beauty. (laughs) You know, we've got big brands that are doing so many things. And so no longer was I bound by any singular brand. You know, if I felt so free to be able to use the excitement of what is constantly happening around us and the creation process and tie it not just to the brand of Endeavor and make that what will become a consumer-facing brand, but also to be able to do that on behalf of 
brand clients who are a part of the company and represented by 160 over 90, you know, like Marriott and AB and Visa. You know, so it just, I felt so free. The opportunity seemed almost, dare I say, too good to be true. (laughs) You know, I was like, how did this job become available? But the truth of the matter is that it didn't exist before me. And so I feel that some of it is just the universe conspiring, you know, to bring me to this moment. And I'm eternally grateful to be in it. Wow. You've had such a dynamic career. All the things that you do, you touch, you see, you create, it's just magnanimous. It's amazing. I want to dig in more to your background in just a moment. But before we go there, I'd like to learn a little bit more about Endeavor and especially this rebrand you Mm -hmm. just went through. Mm -hmm. Because as CMO of Endeavor, you have lots of moving parts and pieces. And then the rebrand for 160 over 90. Like, tell Tell us, what is that? Yeah. So this is the exciting thing, right? So I walked into Endeavor knowing that what was then called Endeavor Global Marketing existed. And it was it felt like a holding company of six different agencies, right, who were all doing somewhat different things, but also somewhat overlapping. I was really excited about the freedom of being able to advise and also execute strategy for so many different types of brands. But even as I looked at it, I felt that there was really an opportunity to consolidate so much expertise across so many different types of people. I mean, we're talking about almost 800 people and that we would be much stronger and much more efficient if we were under one umbrella. And so Ed Horn, who is the president of Endeavor Global Marketing, now in 60 over 90, we sat and um, talked about what that could look like. You know, if we could unify everyone under one umbrella, what that could be. And I just felt like there was such an opportunity to essentially come out anew, you know? It's like, like Jay-Z says, you know, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is, wow. <laughs> you know, it felt like such an opportunity, especially that I, I was new at the time. Maybe we could figure out a way in which we could get rid of some of the legacy challenges and create a vertical that would plug into the overall Endeavor company and be able to utilize all of the resources within Endeavor to then also power the brands. So it became a whole effort, not just on rebranding the agency of Endeavor Global Marketing, but create better architecture to empower the entire company. And the company is filled with so many different types, right? Representing a lot of different types of people. Everyone from, you know, The Rock to Charlize Theron, Matt Damon, Serena Williams, Janelle Monet. How great would it be if in the process of creating brand strategy, we could look at what was about to happen in the creative world? Because, of course, we represent directors and writers and all the athletes who are gearing up to get to their next competition. If we could source all of that together, understanding their motivation, their desires, what they want to do next in their careers and their lives, and match that up with brand clients that we represent. Now that, that is magic. That's not math, by the way. It's not math. You can't put that on a grid and draw the lines. It is in talking to Charlize and understanding not just her history of what she's done, but what she wants to do in the future. You know, it's about understanding what Lynn Bigger wants to get for the next year at Visa. You know, like what, what is the real brand 
is maybe not what we think it is. And so what is her motivation? What are her objectives? And then marrying those things up. There are so many opportunities. And so to me, it was just like this enormous playground. It was like looking up at the stars and saying, wow, okay, well, there's a bright star over there. I wonder what that connects to. What galaxy is that in? You know, it feels very intergalactical. Wow. (laughs) And I'm the perfect alien. To come in and start learning about the different galaxies and then trying to connect them together. Because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. You know, we want to make an impact. We want to leave legacy. We want to make sure that people remember our name. And so how do you do that and connect to pop culture in a way that's going to make that happen? And that is not math. You sound like you're having entirely too much fun. And uh, we're, <laughs> <Totally. laughs> we're going to dig into that even more. But um, I can't help but think about this because you're, you're talking about galaxies. What the heck is going on with Miss Universe? Don't you have a hand in that too? Ooh. Yes. Okay. So Miss Universe is a part of Endeavor, been owned by Endeavor for a couple of years. It has, you know, um, not just Miss Universe, but Miss USA pageant, Miss Teen USA, and then of course, globally, all the different countries. And there are so many women that come through the organization. And I think one of the biggest challenges as I looked at that company and talked to Paula Schugert, who's the president of Miss Universe, you know, she's a dynamic woman. And and I think that we have a real opportunity with this platform to stand for something more, you know, that there's an evolution that is happening as we talk about women's empowerment and we talk about identity and standards of beauty and so many things that we have a real opportunity to evolve what that actually means. Um, And I'm literally obsessed. (laughs) I'm obsessed. Um, Not just obsessed because of the potential and what the future could hold, but also of the past. You know, there are so many women who participate. And I'm talking about globally, so many women. And they are competing not just for a crown and a a sash. You know, I think that that's what we think of when we think of beauty pageants. But it's also economics. It's a platform for them to launch their businesses. You know, there's so many alums of Miss Universe who are so dynamic. And I want them to also be known and seen. You know, if we talk about how we judge women in the world, well, let's look at that. You know, how is it that we judge women? You know, are we looking at her past, what she has to offer from beauty and her her outward appearance? You know, are we judging her based on her potential to influence the world or to change her economy or to change her community? Are we thinking about her education level? Are we encouraging her to go further? Like, there's just so many questions. And I think that we have a real opportunity to do that in a different way. Um, and so... Maybe you'll laugh at this. (laughs) I decided that, um, you know, enough talking in the boardroom, sort of on the side. Um, And actually, I did this at Uber, too, where it was like we just kept talking about the drivers and their experience. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to sign up. I'm going to drive. That's what I'm going to do. So I actually drove UberX for a while. Um, So for Miss Universe, I said, well, you know what? We've been talking a lot of theory, so I am going to get into it. No, I am not competing, ladies and gentlemen. I am judging. (laughs) So I'll be judging the 2019 competition, which is actually going to be held in Atlanta at the Tyler Perry Studios. I'm really excited about that because I also love everything that Tyler is doing and what he represents. And also in quite a historic year, for the first time in history, Miss America, Miss USA, and Miss Teen USA are all Black women. And I think that is a phenomenal change. And I would like to see that continue and continue to evolve what we think are the standards of beauty and excellence. So that's why I'm doing it. (laughs) 
Holy cow. Okay. First of all, so cool. So glad you're doing that. I would not have even blinked an eye if you would have said you were competing in it too. I mean, this park would have course with you. I mean, like you, and you would totally win. Like you would totally win. Oh my God. You are hysterical. Well, you know what? Maybe next year you and I join forces. We'll compete as twins. Let's go in. Let's go see what happens. Okay. I totally, but that still takes number two to your <laughs> offer from earlier. I want to go to the professional bull riders organization and check yes. that out with you. That, that totally, you know, the professional bull rider thing. That just seems so cool. But see, that's the, that's, this is what's so amazing about Endeavor is that we could talk about Miss Universe and then change subjects and talk about bull riding in the same conversation. It's about the same company. <laughs> I mean, who else can do that? Like, who else? Literally no one else can do that. You know what I mean? It's so great. And by the way, I feel the same way in that organization. You know, I even went in with sort of the the misunderstanding about the relationship between the bulls and the riders. You know, they, yeah, of course, it's competition. But the riders care as much for the bulls as any, you know, rider cares about any a horse, you know, and in the equestrian competition and that the well-being of the bull is as good for the competition as anything else, you know, and and being able to be there and understand the technique uh, and the athleticism that it requires in order to do that job is just, I mean, in all parts of it, it's not even just the rider, you know, it's the handlers, it's the caregivers to the bulls, it's, gosh, the clown who's in the middle of the arena making the audience happy. I mean, every, there's so much entertainment going on and so much interest. So I think you'd be fascinated. I think you should go. Well, come with me. And then let's invite actually everyone who's listening, okay? We, we need you to attend. And if you write me at Endeavor, I will do my best to gather us all <laughs> at the next Professional Bull Riders uh, event in January. And if you can't make January, we'll figure out another time. But it's okay. Come on down. We'll have a good time. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so fun and so exciting. I'm in. I'm in for everything. I'll carry your bags. It doesn't matter. Let's just go everywhere. <laughs> Let's do it. Super cool. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so now I, I, I hear the excitement in your voice. Mm-hmm. I hear how happy you are. It's amazing. Thank you. Has it always been? been this way for you? I mean, let's walk back in your journey. I mean, gosh, you've been at some amazing brands between Uber and Apple and Pepsi. Like, tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah. Gosh, that's such a, it's such an important question. Now I'm going to get all philosophical (laughs) because the question, which is, have I always felt this in jobs? There is no straight answer except for the fact that, yes, I have. You know, I have chosen to find joy in every job. I think that it's a distinction that I've had to make that I learned pretty early on, actually. And essentially because I felt that no environment was optimized for me. You know, they were optimized for other people. And so if I was going to stay sane (laughs) and also to be able to do the job that I really wanted to do, I had to find the joy in not just the job, but in the brand, in my colleagues, in the industry. I had to find it. And that is what has kept me so positive and optimistic, not just in times when it's like, you know, maybe the job or the environment was no longer suitable for me, but also to keep me positive in a time when it feels like even socially it's so turbulent. 
you know, and you can become very pessimistic and you can become really cynical um, that to remain optimistic about not just our industry, but also the world is about choosing the joy, deciding, literally deciding that I'm going to find the joy in the job. And that's what I'm going to focus on, even through all the other muddled shit that you have to do. <laughs> You know, that choosing the joy, finding the thing that's going to keep me inspired has been a part of it. And sometimes it's been within the job itself. And sometimes it's been just in the industry or finding other avenues of inspiration. You know, sometimes it's even in the hustle of the airport. You know, between my jobs at Apple and and Uber or during the course of both of them, I lived in L.A., I still live in L.A. now, but I lived in L.A. and would commute to first Cupertino and then to San Francisco. And in some of the really intense times at Apple, when we were building Apple Music, I would fly literally every day, every morning. Uh, I would leave my house. I'd catch the 8.30 flight, be able to walk into a meeting at 10 a.m. in Cupertino, and then I'd catch the 6.20 flight back to L.A., And it was physically very difficult. And as you can imagine, mentally draining as well, just dealing with everything that was going on, not just at Apple, but building the product and also working with new colleagues, but physically a drain. But the joy that I found in it was, of course, in managing this new frontier of streaming music. But I would say even more than that, it honed in my people watching skills. (laughs) You know, my endless curiosity about people, you know, being able to really like sit and ear hustle and listen to what people were talking about, the things that they found interesting. Funny enough, when we launched Apple Music, there was an article that was written. It was, I can't remember the newspaper now, Um, but I was sitting in the airport waiting for my flight. It was a little delayed. And I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, weeks of very little sleep. And I was kind of bleary-eyed. And there was a woman sitting across from me. I'd say she was somewhere in her late 60s. Did not look like she worked in Silicon Valley or, you know, anything. She looked like, you know, she was probably going to go visit family or something. Of course, I'm making this all up. I have no idea who the hell she was. But, you know, she just looked like she was going on like a casual visit. And she was reading the article about Apple Music. And I remember just pausing and looking at her and just being in awe you know, of the fact that someone like her who is so different from me would be reading about a product that I had a heavy hand in and wondering what she was thinking about it. And so I struck up a little conversation with her anonymously. <laughs> As you would. Uh, <laughs> you know? I, I don't expect anything yeah, different from you. Know, because, <laughs> yeah, because I am very anonymous. You know what I mean? I don't stand out at all. <laughs> but to her, I mean, it was literally like, I think she she could have probably guessed about what I did too. And I doubt she would have guessed that I was the CMO of, of the brand, <laughs> you know? And uh, just to understand like what, what she was doing. And the funny thing is, you know, come to find out that she was a retired engineer. She was going to go visit some old colleagues, someone who was retiring. And she was really fascinated about, you know, the way that product has changed and technology from when she was programming. And I just found her so fascinating. So for me, it's like I walked into the office that day so renewed. You know, I was like, let me figure out how to continue to make this wondrous for someone like her. And it is what gave me joy that day and for quite a few weeks after that. But I know your your question maybe was a little more innocent than that, but it 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 is really... Uh, one that I found to be very profound, you know, and that like, you just got to find, and I have found 
the joy in every job in order to make myself inspired and also really excited about the work. Wow. Okay. Your attention to detail, your observation, and your awareness of the folks around you and yourself as well is really intriguing to me, frankly, because Mm. you've actually been able to leverage that. You were talking about magic over math and you know, mm. you you clearly have this incredible creative bone, or bones, many of them. Uh, but you, mm-hmm. but you choose actually roles that are not only in the creative sense. I mean, you were chief brand officer at Uber. Mm-hmm. You were mm-hmm. head of global consumer marketing at Apple Music and iTunes. You were head of music and entertainment marketing at Pepsi. Those are not just creative roles. I mean, it does take a lot of balancing between multiple skill sets, like. How did you prepare for that life? And did you ever think you'd be in those roles? Yeah, it's really good because this is the part about, you know, doing the whole job, you know, that has, I felt like has been part of the success of what I've been able to do, right? My expertise and I feel like my joy and my excitement comes from the creative side for sure. Like I said, I, I love to pay attention to trends and pay attention to people, what they're thinking about, what motivates them, what inspires them. All of those things are so fascinating to me. Um, and at Pepsi, I could care less about counting cases for sure. You know, but what I found was that some of that magic in assessing what would be next or what is coming, you could then tie it back to how the product performed. And to me, that was like the real excitement. You know, it was like finding a new formula, you know, or like discovering the atom, <laughs> if I may be so bold. Like, the, you know, the day we hit 40 million subscribers on Apple Music and it was out of the realm of possibility when we had first started because the thought was that we were going to grow so much slower. But to me and to the team, The thought was not about the subscribers and if they would come, but it was like, could we create a home for the artists? Whereas the record label had been home for decades. If we could create a new home for the artists, they would come. And if they came, then so would the subscribers. And being able to prove that that was actually fact. You know, that wasn't just like some hope and dream and just like, oh, I think this will work. You know, it's like, no, that, that no, no math could tell you that making an artist feel comfortable and at home within a streaming service that relies on algorithms, that that would indeed net you the numbers. And to me, that was like, it literally was like splitting the atom. It's like, wow, look at this discovery. You know, and then once you did that, I was like, okay, what's what's the next thing? <laughs> what's the next thing that we're going to do? You know, but I feel like there's just so much about this balance between the two. So for me, it's it's less about choosing one over the other than which one leads. And for sure, my creative leads, but I love to prove it with the math. And that's why I need to know the math. I love that. I, I literally just recorded with Deborah Wall, who is the first female global CMO of General Motors. And um, mm-hmm. she was a G. Bravo. Yeah, I mean, amazing. She was Bravo. the CMO of yeah. Chrysler 10 years ago. And we were kind of looking back and comparing how the role has changed. And one of the things that she said is, you know, what she really wants to do is bust the myth. 
you can't just be one or the other. So I love how you were describing that. I mean, we, as marketers, we need to bring together the creative and the analytical in the best way we yeah. can. And we might lead, like yeah. you said, with one or the other, but they, they do have to come together. So love how you said that you like to lead with the creative, but prove it with the math. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, cool. So we are, gosh, darn, I hate this part. We're coming up close to the end here of our time. I know. That's impossible. We just started. I feel like we just started too. I know it's terrible. I I hate this part, but I want to step outside your roles, your, your career. I want to talk about you for a second. Outside of work, where do you look for inspiration or what is it? What's that fire you have? Hi. Um, I mean, maybe it's like, uh, you know, I said I grew up in Colorado and as a teen going into Black Forest, which was near my house, uh, densely populated and black because like you literally could not see the sun when you're in there. <laughs> um, and our entertainment was like, you know, building a campfire and sitting around and Sometimes getting into trouble. I shall not implicate myself. <laughs> I think you're already dead just now. Okay. <laughs> um, mostly telling stories, you know, cracking on each other, listening to music, that kind of thing. And I would say that perhaps my, what has happened in my career is, is like a campfire, you know, which is that there are lots and lots of logs that make the biggest fire. You know, it's not one log. It's not like one big, huge log that just you light and it's like, poof, everything. No, you need a little... You know, something to light it, some a little spark. You need the small logs that are really, really dry. You need the big, heavy ones that maybe haven't dried all the way through that can last a long time. You know, you need different pieces in order to make the fire roar and to sustain it. And that, for me, is what has happened over the course of my life. There's lots of things, big and small, that inspire me that keep me like I said optimistic or keep me curious about the world and keep me motivated and keep me confident (laughs) you know a lot of it is personal you know some of it is professional but you know there are the big tragedies of my life that um, make me urgent to live life my husband passed away December 2013 Um, he was four days from his 44th birthday and um it makes me want to live every day that much more urgent. You know, it doesn't make me afraid of life. I mean, for sure, I've had to work through therapy <laughs> to, to get through some of that. But his death inspired me to just live faster. It's like, God, I got to get things done. You know, I, and I want to I get all the good things done, all the stuff that I dream about or dreamt about, you know, I want to, I want to get those things done. It's not really a bucket list. It's just like, mm, if I want to do something, I don't wait for six months from now. It's like, no, I want to do it right now. It's like looking at my daughter who is now 10, 10 and a half, excuse me, because if she listens to this, (laughs) I don't say the half, Lord knows I'll be in trouble. (laughs) Um, You know, she's 10 and a half and she's so curious about the world. You know, she says so many interesting things. We went to the American Music Awards together. And one of her favorite artists is Billie Eilish. And to be honest, I don't know that much Billie Eilish to be, you know, I was more interested in Toni Braxton, who was reprising her 25th (laughs) anniversary. Lord, I felt really old in that moment. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? But that 17-year-old just crushed the stage. I mean, crushed it. 
And my daughter was over here singing every lyric. I was just looking at her in wonder, like, wow, you know, I got to get some of that back. Now I've got a whole playlist of Billy Eilish. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's, it comes in so many different inputs. And it does come from, you know, some of the uncertainty in even my work, you know, because even when I took the job at Endeavor, Ari couldn't articulate for me what the job was. And Mark Shapiro, who runs the business day to day and who is my boss, he couldn't even necessarily truly articulate what the job was. And that was a little scary, you know, because how are you going to measure and how are you going to be successful if you can't describe the job? But that to me is like keeps me motivated. You know, I was like, okay, you know what? If you can't define it, I'm going to define it. And I'm going to define it every day, every week, every month, every quarter, and I will keep redefining it and hopefully set the standard. And so there are so many different inputs. And I think the advice that that I hope someone would take from that if they were like, how do I do that? How do I? It's like, you know, be like the campfire. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to keep the roaring fire going. And by the way, don't be afraid to throw new logs in there. Just because you start out with something doesn't even mean you have to stay with it. So there you go. Be a campfire. Be a campfire. I love that. Well, I have like like eight competitive headlines now uh, In oh, after wow. this. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about things like enormous playgrounds and all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, so amazing. Oh, I love that. By the way, if you haven't considered this already, you should maybe possibly consider becoming a writer one day. Um <laughs> I would read your book about campfires. I was very intrigued. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm considering it. I'm considering it. Let's chat because that, that, that's fabulous. I love that. Okay, cool. So, oh my gosh, here we go. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I hate this part. My last question for you. Mm. <sighs> <laughs> if you were not a CMO, I'm, I'm actually kind of afraid of this answer, but it's going to be fun. If you were not a CMO... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Ooh, money, talent, no object. Do anything in the world. What would you do? What would I do? That is such a good question. I don't know. Maybe, you know what? I'd probably want to be in the circus. Yeah? Yeah, I think I'd want to be in the circus. What would you do in the circus? I'd be like a trapeze artist. Oh. Yeah, the trapeze. I'd be up there twirling around, death-defying stunts. See? You know? Oh, my Swinging gosh. from... Yeah, yeah, I would be a trapeze artist. Lord knows I'm afraid of heights. That's not happening in this lifetime. Maybe in the next one. Well, I think this goes brilliantly <laughs> with your next role at Miss Universe because I know you're just a judge, <laughs> but like if you could like perform. The talent portion. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? Let me get off of this podcast and go stretch and um, <laughs> see if I can polish up some trapeze skills while I'm at it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay. Good inspiration. So inspirational. And it is, seriously, go find my CEO, Jeff Litvak. He has some like trapeze skills in his background. Like seriously, go go find him. That's amazing. I love that. Okay. I'm so watching this yeah. universe because I know you're going to just like break out in style. And um, uh-huh. yeah, you, you, you got to compete, my dear. Come on. You're going to win. Come on. <laughs> Okay, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, super cool. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank 
you. This was great. Really, really great time talking to you. And it's so great to talk about the CMO moves. I mean, how often do we get to just talk about us? And I love it. So thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it. All right. Well, um, have a wonderful day and join us next time on CMO Moves. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.